0: Andres Manuel López Obrador, is that a name you're too familiar with? Well, he said, I confess that I have a legitimate ambition. I want to go down in history as a good president of Mexico. It's not the most startling claim that anyone would suggest as a as a hopeful, but at the same time, it maybe is. Uh, the sort of thing that if it turns out that way will be worth celebrating he's 64 years old Uh, he's best known as AMLO uh, using the initials of his name he counts British Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn among friends and he did uh, enjoy a landslide victory in Sunday's presidential election in Mexico Um, and He's set to take office actually from December 1st, so we've got some wait for that, but he's already facing a complicated task, getting ready, um, because certainly the United States is one of the big topics that uh, will influence his presidency and the build-up. Dr. Erasema Coronado is a professor of political science at the University of Texas, El Paso, and joins us on the line. Thank you for taking the time.
1: Thank you for inviting me to be with you today.
0: And and can you start with a a brief comment about this outcome in itself? It it is a change in the order, but at the same time, a change in the order wasn't entirely surprising.
1: No, no. All of the public opinion polls indicated that Andrés Manuel López Obrador was going to win. And subsequently, he did win with about 53, depending on one other polls, at 55 percent of the vote. So he has a resounding mandate to lead. And therefore, it's going to be, people hope, uh, a positive outcome for the country.
0: And what would account for AMLO's popularity, would you suggest?
1: Well, AMLO has been around for a very long time. He used to be a member of the PRI, the Partido Revolucionario Institucional. And subsequently, he left the party in 1988 to join a faction of the PRI that became THE PARTY OF THE DEMOCRATIC REVOLUTION. AND HE SUPPORTED GUALTEMO CARDENAS WHEN HE RAN FOR uh, PRESIDENT OF MEXICO. OBVIOUSLY HE WAS NOT SUCCESSFUL, BUT THAT WAS A VERY CONTENTIOUS ELECTION BECAUSE EVERYTHING INDICATED THAT GUALTEMO CARDENAS HAD WON. Obrador has, politi- has had political ambitions ever since then. One of his most successful outcomes has been being the head of government in Mexico City. Uh, Mexico City is one of the biggest cities in the world with 22 million people. So you govern a lot of people, and he was very successful in providing subsidies to the poor, to the elderly, and he was able to gain a lot of support.
0: With some... Western media outlets describing him as a left-wing nationalist sounds a bit dangerous doesn't it that when you put it in those terms compared with some of the left or indeed right-wing nationalists of the past but is that a fair description is it misleading
1: well I think it's a bit misleading because he actually cares about the poor which you know 50% of Mexicans fall into that category uh, Mexican minimum wage is very low. Uh, workers are making less than $4 a day. And so there is a demand for income distribution for a more fair and more uh, progressive uh, policies. And the elite, the ruling party now, the, the Partido Revolucionario Institucional, um, is very corrupt and people are tired of it. And it's, and I think the evidence is that during this election, the B only received sixteen percent of the vote. And in years past they would get, you know, the majority of the vote. So it's a resounding um you know um uh, resounding um you know bias that people have against the B that they don't want them anymore. And they're basically going to have a very hard time. I think it's really an indication that that political party is on its way out. It's in the coffin. And I think people are just waiting to close the coffin and bury it. But it's really moribund at this point.
0: Let's go in a bit more detail on what he's going to do. Uh, One of the big questions is how he's going to deal with the US, because he promised, didn't he, to get uh, a little bit tougher on Trump. Uh, Certainly expressing sympathy for migrants who have been unfairly treated by the United States government, um, as has been the view of, of many around the world. But but can he actually do that in reality?
1: Well, he has said that raising the wages would help maintain, uh, you know, more income for people and that people would not be forced to migrate. He said, I want to be a country where people migrate by choice and not by necessity. Uh, and people do migrate because of necessity, you know, the push and the pull factors of migration. You know, here in the United States, there are a lot of industries that depend on Mexican workers, the construction industry, the restaurant industry, the service industry, the landscaping industry, and the farm, the agricultural interest. And so there is the push-pull. There are people willing to work very hard for very little money, and there are people willing to hire them because they need the labor. And so Andrés Manuel López Obrador believes that if he raises wages in Mexico, that then people will be able to live and to have a good life and not have to migrate.
0: What about some of the other big topics like corruption, like drugs, for example? How are we likely to see him handle those you know, very, very unpopular issues?
1: Well, I think the corruption, he has said, you need to raise the wages of police officers. You need to have a court system that works. You need to respect the rule of law. People that have stolen from the government need to be punished. And so we'll see if he'll be able to implement those policies and have um, you know people actually go to jail for having stolen from the public. Um, the drug issue is huge, but then again, the United States is the biggest consumer of illegal drugs, and so when there's that demand, uh, of course, things will be supplied, and so it's something that the U.S. also needs to address. I think the drug war is really a binational problem that needs to be addressed by both sides. And the other issue is energy, um, especially in the United States, a lot of businesses invested in the Mexican oil industry, because the president now allowed for private investment. And Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador has said that he will no longer do that. It's going to be Mexico first, and people are concerned that investments have been made, and will he, again, nationalize the the part of the oil industry, energy industry, that had been opened up for private investment. And that makes people in the state where I live, in Texas, very nervous because a lot of Texans invested in Mexico.
0: Right. And I mean, speaking of trade generally, uh, again, it brings the U.S. heavily involved, doesn't it? Um, Can can you develop a relationship with President Trump that allows a positive trade future for Mexico and the U.S.?
1: Well, you know, part of the trade is a lot of American companies have moved to Mexico. They started moving there since 1965. So the automotive industry is big in Mexico. A lot of high-tech industry is big. And it's because American companies want to pay cheaper wages. And so if he's going to raise the wages, will companies say, oh, we need to go back to the States? I don't think so, because, you know, you have to pay an American worker, uh, you know, m- minimum wage, which right now is $7 and, and uh, you know, almost $8 an hour. And in Mexico, you can get a lot of work for, you know, $4 a day. And so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the U.S.-Mexico uh, you know, trade total is $661 billion. So we trade a lot between Mexico and the United States. And it's going to be interesting to see what the future of the North American Free Trade am- Agreement is going to be. Um, the United States has said they're not going to open up that negotiation until after the midterm elections in November. And um, and is it wait and see? I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting future for Andres Manuel López Obrador.
0: Dr. Coronado, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: It is my pleasure. Thank you.